What is culture and how do you engage your students in cultural topics? In this episode, we're looking at culture, but with a lens of seeing, hearing, and tasting so that culture comes alive for students in the classroom. Allison Perryman, a Spanish teacher in Virginia, joins me to talk us through how she uses the senses to engage students in the diversity of target language cultures. We also talk about why it's beneficial to honor our students' individual and lived experiences as they approach their language and culture culture learning. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral. I have to tell you, you are an incredible educator because you're listening to a podcast about teaching. You might be on your way to school. Maybe you're jogging or running or doing the dishes, whatever you're doing. You're actually listening to a podcast about language teaching. And you're going to use this for what you're doing in your classroom maybe tomorrow. So thank you so much for being that incredible educator that you are. And today on the podcast, I'm very excited to be speaking with Allison Perryman. I have watched so many of her reels on Instagram. <laughs> I find her incredibly entertaining, which is great. But she's also so insightful and clever about connecting with culture in her classroom and sharing that out with teachers. She's yet another one of these amazing language teachers that is so generous and giving ideas and helping and being willing to come on and have a conversation about it to share with everyone who's listening. I'm very appreciative of that. So Allison is a Spanish teacher, and we're going to talk about her connection specifically to Spanish in just a bit. But just to give you the rundown, she's been teaching for about 11 years, and she is in Virginia. And she's currently teaching the middle school level. She's starting to really dip her toe into the world of conferences, which is so great for all of us and podcasts now. And so you may have seen her at FLAVA, which is the Virginia Association, and also at Guatful, another one of our alphabet soup words. That is the association in Washington, D.C. So, Allison, welcome <laughs> to the World Language Classroom podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I'm so, so happy to be here. Yeah. So tell us about your connection with Spanish. It's so funny. Everyone always wants to know, how are you connected to Spanish? How did this happen? So <laughs> my family is from South America and the Caribbean. We're from, we, my mom's family is from Guyana, which is a very little country in South America. We lived in Brooklyn, New York in little Puerto Rico. And little Puerto Rico was a Spanish-speaking neighborhood, and they would send home the letters in Spanish. So I was surrounded by authentic realia. My friends spoke Spanish. I listened to 97.9, which was the radio station. Everything, everything around me was in Spanish, and everyone thought that I was Puerto Rican or Dominican. And so I just blended in. You embraced it. 
I embraced it. Mm -hmm. And then later on, I had an aunt who told me that there was a family member who was adopted, et cetera, et cetera, and that there were actually Cuban roots in my family. Mm -hmm. And so I came to find it out. I did the DNA swab and everything Mm -hmm. and found out there was Spain. So you had connections and actually using and understanding Spanish sort of quote unquote, on the streets. So not necessarily in the classroom, but like out in the community as well. So what was that like, the using of Spanish in your community and in school? I was very methodical about how I learned Spanish, which was very strange for a nine-year-old. I would sit down with my friends and I'd be like, okay, Selena came out with this song, Como La Flor. Or whatever song it was. Mm-hmm. You need to sit down and rip it apart. And they'd be like, okay, I have the cassette tape right here. We can look at the lyric sheet and talk about it. That's how I was learning Spanish, through music mm-hmm. and through talking with them. And I'd go to the grocery store, to the bodega, and mm-hmm. they would count out the change for me. Or they'd let me read the periódico, um, the newspaper, in Spanish mm-hmm. with them. It wasn't as if I were learning a different type of Spanish It was learning authentic Spanish, Mm -hmm. a living, breathing Spanish that Mm -hmm. existed, that Mm -hmm. really existed Mm -hmm. outside of the textbook. So it seems from the very beginning, all of your attachment to Spanish has been through culture. You never experienced Spanish as just this language that was in isolation from a culture. You started in the culture and then used the language to navigate it. Exactly, exactly. So let's take on this topic (laughs) of that culture, which you've always seen it as a connection to the language. So when you think of the word culture, when you use the word culture, whether it's with students and just talking about it, what is culture to you? That's a a big iceberg, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of teachers may have seen that drawing of the iceberg, Mm -hmm. that above you see music and you see different aspects of culture that are visible. And below the iceberg, you see different aspects of culture that aren't visible, such as beauty standards, Mm -hmm. biases, gender roles, different things like that. And so I love the analogy of the cultural iceberg. So um, Actful will define culture as what we create, how we behave, and what we do as a society. Mm -hmm. I look at it more of those three Ps, according to Actful, the products, practices, and perspectives. And practices are the things that we do. The products are the things that we produce. And the perspectives are the ways that we think about things. And so I find that true culture in the classroom is by allowing our students to really look at how we think about things in another culture, how we do things in another culture, not so much what is produced in that culture. Because to me, 
you run the danger of cultural tourism, looking at what's shiny and nice from culture to culture. And that I don't want to do. I want a student to really delve into a culture, dive into a culture and to really absorb it so that they have something in their resource and their aptitude that they can take out into these streets, which is what I tell my students. Mm-hmm. And as something that they can use with another person, mm-hmm. information that they can use in interaction with other mm-hmm. people. It's about personal contact, right? Exactly. It's what you absorb, learn, grow, know, and then use with other people. Yeah. It's not what you can see and identify per se. Mm-hmm. It can be. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't be it. That is the tip of the iceberg. Right. We want to go below. This week, the the word tangible came up with my students. And it just so happens that one of the English teachers, they do a word of the week with their students to learn vocabulary. So I said, we're going to do that in our language classes as well. We'll do the same word. We will just focus on it. And the word was tangible and intangible. And so we ended up talking a lot about culture with that. When you were talking about the iceberg, that was what was coming to mind. And so we used it to unpack a little bit about culture. And there are those tangible parts of culture that you can see, which leads to the cultural tourism. And then there's those intangible things, those perspectives that you don't really see. You know, that's really what it comes down to there. So let's talk about how you engage students in culture, in your classroom, why do you see it as necessary and probably ultimately just incredibly beneficial to talk about diversity in the language classroom when we're talking about culture? Because there's also that possibility of, so this is how they do it in Mexico, very monolithic, right? So when you're doing culture, doing culture, whatever that even means in the classroom, (laughs) how do you approach it from that perspective of the diversity of culture? Ah, this is such a beautiful, juicy question. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so much. First (laughs) off, the most salient part I want to say, I want to address that culture is not monolithic. When you're Mm -hmm. talking about Latinos, Latinos are not monolithic. It's a beautiful mosaic. Mm -hmm. Even within each tile, there are little dots and little lines and little not imperfections. I don't want to say imperfections, but when you're talking about stones, that's how you like describe them, mm-hmm. but little differences within the stone itself. And so when you talk about a culture, you're never talking about something that is just one big piece. The beauty lies in its diversity. Mm-hmm. I'm so passionate about this. I tell my students, someone who's from Cuba is going to have a totally different point of view from someone who is from Puerto Rico, even though Puerto Rico is technically part of the United States. It's a territory. But you're going to have two different perspectives on life. Within those countries, you're going to have different perspectives, whether you're rural or whether you're from the city. And then you're going to have a different perspective, whether you're male or female. 
And then your race is going to impact how you feel. And then your gender identity with respects to if you identify as non-binary or if there's some other aspect to it. So there's just so many layers Mm -hmm. to identity. What are some of the ways you go about that specifically with your students? You pointed out that you'll say that, well, in Cuba, they don't do it this way. In Puerto Rico, it might be that way. What are some of those tools or your go-tos with students when you hear them make comments or Mm. In a, in a way that says they're seeing culture as monolithic. Let's unpack a little bit like what that looks like when you're grappling with those issues with students. Sure. When we're doing our Hispanic Heritage Month project and students want to default to making tacos. All right, great. That's wonderful. All right. And they assume that every country makes tacos. Every country specializes in that. Every country, that's their thing. Okay, well, is that a fact? I find that I am always doing research. I have always been a research student. That's always been my specialty when I was in college, when I was in my master's program. And I feel like in order to do this work, I have to constantly do research in order to inform my students on what is accurate and what isn't accurate. And I have to teach them how to do research so that they can learn themselves what is and isn't accurate. Mm-hmm. For our projects, we go on OWL, Purdue's website. They learn how to cite resources. They learn how to do everything in a very official way. And I love it because they have to learn how to research in order to learn what's true and what isn't true. Mm-hmm. I'm making this assumption based on our interaction (laughs) that you are sharing with your students that you're on that learning journey with them. So many times, I think when it comes to culture, I I don't know if I could do that cultural topic in my classroom because I'm not an expert on it. Are you sharing with your students when you're on that learning journey about particular cultures with them? Absolutely. See, Um, I knew it. I knew it. Absolutely. (laughs) My most recent Uh, research topic, shall we say, has been indigenous peoples. Mm -hmm. And I've been just dying to learn more and more and more and more about um, indigenas and the role that they played in Latin America. And just as much as I can in order to help my students and to help just as many students as I can. Mm -hmm. And I said in one of my reels or something, I don't know, that I messed up and I called the day off that we were going to have Columbus Day. I saw that reel, yes. (laughs) And my students were like, it's Indigenous People's Day. And I was like, you are so right. We are rebranding the day. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the learning journey, right? Mm -hmm. If I were perfect, I would have said Indigenous People's Mm -hmm. Day. But... I'm learning too. You know what I really liked is I didn't see that reel. I saw your response to it where you owned it. You did Uh, a reel where you said, in my last reel, I said Columbus Day. And you owned it with humility. And when I saw that, I said, this is a teacher that is going to connect with other teachers. You could have just erased the original one and make it look like you're this expert in culture. So I I really appreciated that you did that. 
thank you. I I appreciate you appreciating yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have an eight-year-old daughter. Her name is Ava. Mm-hmm. And I told her this the other day. I said, no one knows everything. If anyone ever tells you that, they are not telling the truth. Everyone is a forever learner. And my grandmother, Emily, told me that. She's a teacher. And she told me that. She told me, I will always learn, even until my last day. I'll always be a learner. Mm-hmm. And that always, that stuck with me. And when you know better, you do better. Right. Yeah. My, my Angelou, I believe, is who we credit with the when you know better, do better, right? You will have that in your mind whenever October comes around and you refer to that holiday. Absolutely. Right? Or that, and that day of recognition. I shouldn't call it yes, a holiday. Yes. And now I have what I've created for that day. And then the following month, I have these resources. As I go through the year, maybe I'll find out more information and tweak them. I'm not ashamed to say that. <laughs> you stop learning. I mean, there's... you stop growing. Yeah, and that I have no interest in that. <laughs> right, <laughs> no. that's sad. Right, you know, so I I need to learn a little more about what to do with culture in my classroom. So I'm going to be reaching out to you to have a podcast <laughs> conversation. You know, we're going to grow, grow, grow. So let's get into some specifics about what it's looking like in your classroom. So that teachers listening, they can say, okay, yep, I get it. This Allison person, she has me on board with this culture. (laughs) I saw a recent virtual workshop that you had done and you had broken down activities into, I'm going to call them tangible because I said it earlier, but it was about seeing, tasting, and hearing culture. And I really appreciated going about it in that way. So can we break down some of the activities that you do with students to engage with seeing, tasting, and hearing culture and essentially experiencing? Sure. That's my trifold approach to teaching culture. It's not comprehensive, for sure, because I'm sure that there is someone listening that is like, well, hey, isn't Mm -hmm. there also feeling? Mm -hmm. (laughs) However, this is how I approach it. And I think Mm -hmm. that it's a great entry point for for culture in the classroom. So we've got seeing. Okay. And seeing is all of the visual aspects of culture, the visual arts, promotion clips, video shorts, things that can be used for the purpose of furthering culture or students' knowledge of the Mm -hmm. culture. The clip that you probably saw probably featured the ASL, BASL, Mm -hmm. where I learned, and that's what got me. It was visual. It was very visual. I saw in my mini feed one day on Facebook. Yes, I'm old. I saw in my mini feed (laughs) Nothing wrong with Facebook. (laughs) Nothing wrong with Facebook. I saw in my mini feed one day this video short for Netflix for this documentary on BASL. And I was like, what is that? Apparently, there's a dialect of American Sign Language that's called Black American Sign Language. And the video was so just gripping, just it really pulled me in. And I'm not an ASL teacher, but it was really attractive in the sense that even in the signing community, 
there were differences and lines drawn due to race, ethnicity, culture, etc. And so this is something that could be used in the classroom as a result. What would you actually do with students with a clip like that in the classroom? How would they engage? What would be their input, output, all of that linguistic stuff? With a clip like that, I was using for the conference that I used that for, that specifically was for signing teachers. So to reach out to signing teachers. Mm -hmm. But if I were to use a visual piece in the classroom, I would love to use maybe touring, recently toured Frida Kahlo's uh, house, her Casa Azul Mm -hmm. in Mexico. And then we could describe it in Spanish in simple sentences. The students could make up sentences using colors in their words, gender agreement, concordancia, Mm -hmm. And that could be the actual lesson. The lesson Mm -hmm. could be concordancia, Mm -hmm. which is the agreement between words and a sentence, Mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. And you could use your core content piece as a tour of Frida Kahlo's home, Mm -hmm. which is so much cooler than holding up color sheets, Mm -hmm. (laughs) copy paper, which we've all been there, Mm -hmm. holding up copy paper Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, it's that, that idea of leading with culture, which I think is Leslie Grun who should be credited with that. But she oh, often says, amazing. lead with culture, and you can then find that, yes, you will get to verb conjugations in there. You will get Absolutely. to adjective agreement, but lead with culture rather than starting with the agreements and then trying to find a clip where you can focus on that. That I think is nearly impossible to do in that direction, yet so many people do it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And so the tasting component Mm -hmm. um, is next. So uh, I, I really believe that tasting food is tasting a, a person's culture. So Mm -hmm. it sounds so deep, but (laughs) I feel like it's tasting their whole history, Mm -hmm. the ingredients that they use, the care that they use, the manner in which they prepare the food, how they prepare it, how it's presented, what plates they use to put it on. All of these things contribute towards the history of the food Mm -hmm. and the name of the food. And so um, alfajores are these little, almost like Oreos, but Mm -hmm. they're Spanish Oreos. (laughs) And they have a dulce de leche in the middle. And the Arab word for it is alfacor. Alfacor is very close. It's very similar. Mm -hmm. And it means luxurious. Mm -hmm. And so why would a Spanish treat have an Arab name? Mm -hmm. Well, we know... 700 mm-hmm. years of occupation, 711 right. to 1492, Sevilla. We, we mm-hmm. know this whole history, but do our kids know? Mm-hmm. So when they go to a restaurant and they order alfajores as something just as a treat, they'll know, they'll understand, ah, there's an Arab Moorish past mm-hmm. to this treat. There's a teacher in my school. She's actually our dean of students. And I reference her all the time on social media. Her name is Khadija, and we're sort of work besties. We're besties anyway, but she often comes into my classes and she loves food. 
and she travels a lot. She spent a, a bit of time in West Africa. And so we were studying West African food. So she came in and she made a Senegalese chicken dish for I think us. I saw some... Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. And we learned about like all the individual ingredients. And then you open it up so much more. It's not just like the ingredients and the history of it, but the idea of who is present for that meal. Who is around the table? Yes. Is there a table? You yes. know, it's like you can take it all back from there. And Are so, there utensils? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. You lead with culture. And my, my problem with cultural units is I have to put an end point because I will just oh, yeah. keep going. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm glad that you mentioned that because, for example, the tasting, how that Mm -hmm. might fit in Mm -hmm. is, again, the Hispanic Heritage Month project. Some students might bring food in. Students might bring in the alfajores and they'll eat it. And then I have a sizable our population in my school and then they might notice wait a second this tastes like something my mom makes Mm -hmm. and so that's the connection that we get in class always invariably that's always what we get in class Mm -hmm. but then like you said we always have to have a stop point so i always just block off two weeks Mm -hmm. (laughs) i do the math every student gets this amount of time to present and then i have the final feedback and the student yeah. assessments yeah because it's, it's just always something new and they're like okay I'll, I'll do that next year okay next year we're doing three weeks <laughs> we're doing three weeks on this next year and then <laughs> on and on so when it comes to hearing what are those activities looking like that's my favorite one Ooh, okay <laughs> i think they're all your favorite one i think you've said that for every single one but i'll let it go <laughs> hearing is my favorite one i was a flute player for about two decades I played at Carnegie Hall I was really 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 into the flute (laughs) and so I love music I was a music minor music is my thing so I open class with music I play music during class I love the mania musical I play that a lot in class and we'll vote on which one is the best Mm -hmm. which song is the best if you like a song in English, if you like a certain particular genre in English, most likely you can find that in your target language. It can be found. And you can learn new vocabulary that way. There are tangible ways of making the intangible tangible. Wow, that was deep. But um, <laughs> but with you looking at what you can see, what you can taste, what you can hear, those are the tangibles, as we were talking about earlier. Right. But then when you dive into them, you get behind what influences all of that, then you can get to those intangible, the under the iceberg sort of things in there. Right. And we have to do this. We have to do this work. A lot of people don't realize it, but... The tipping point, we've reached the tipping point in terms Mm -hmm. of K through 12. K through 12 students are mostly now students of color, Mm -hmm. over 50%, according to the 2020 census data. Mm -hmm. So we need to start having more conversations about diversity instead of sweeping it under the rug. Mm -hmm. And we also are in an increasingly Mm -hmm. globalized world Mm -hmm. and Our goal, at least in the school district I teach at, is to create global citizens. Mm -hmm. With all of these things at play, it's important to see, hear, and taste Mm -hmm. culture. 
And this is bringing up in my mind right now, I'm thinking about representation and the the more culture we do in the classroom, that's authentic culture, yes. not sort of the tourism culture you referenced earlier. But the more we do that, the more students are likely to find a place where they fit in, see themselves reflected. So if we're doing like the windows and mirrors, so the window into the experience, but also that's going to be opportunities for the mirrors of students. And with an in increasingly diverse population in the classroom, these cultural experiences for them are becoming more and more important and incredibly beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is just talking about one aspect of culture. This isn't even, I mean, there's just, there's so mm -hmm. many things mm -hmm. that we can talk about. You are clearly inspired by all this work with culture. Where are you pulling that inspiration from? Where are you looking to, whether it's conferences or teachers or books? Like, where's that inspiration coming from for you? All right. So it's the most unlikely of places. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? I'm ready for it. Bring it. Instagram. <gasps> <laughs> Considering that's how I know you, I think it's cool. <laughs> I consider Instagram like LexisNexis. Mm -hmm. uh, for those who, who know, they know. And mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just so powerful capturing the way that people are. Now, people ham it up for the camera, of course, mm -hmm. but it's such a I don't know. It's a great tool. And then also, if you follow accounts like Me Too or Pero Like, and they kind of have their, their, their thumb on the pulse of mm -hmm. what's pop culture and stuff. You can kind of keep on top of what's the cool song. What did Bad Bunny come out with? Mm -hmm. What K-pop band performed with who? Oh, these two women from Pakistan are all over the place. It's just such a great resource for yeah. research if you know how to use it for right. research. Yeah, it's about finding those accounts that Absolutely. are authentic. So what I recommend often is find someone that you trust, go yes. to the cultural classroom, go to your I, account, right? Yes. And then look at who you're following because you've vetted those people. You've oh, yeah. vetted those accounts and then those are the ones. So you don't have to vet them yourself. But it's about finding that initial entry point of someone that you trust and look at who they're following. Yeah. For example, like La Fania or La Fania, that's a record company. And they post all the time classics, the classic salsa stuff, mm -hmm. the creators of salsa. And so I'm always listening to what mm -hmm. they post. So I just, I posted something the other day that's related to them, El Periódico de Ayer by Hector Lavoe. And that's one of my favorite songs. And mm -hmm. they happened to post that the other mm -hmm. day. And, and that connection. Yeah, you make connections. You can use this stuff in the classroom. Right, excellent. So now this is the point in our conversation where I like to pull the teacher curtain back a little bit. <laughs> And we're going to get to know Allison a little better. Okay. Oh, no. You oh, ready Lord. for my this or that questions? Okay. Okay. Bring it on. <laughs> you know, it's funny that this is the first time we've spoken in person. We've done some virtual communication leading up to this. But I actually think I know 
the answers to all of these questions just based on our conversation. Okay. It's funny. And I, I absolutely promise I did not change any of these. I chose these in advance because you're going to think I changed them. Can you, can you notate which ones like you, like your answers? Oh yes. Okay. All right. Yes, and then yes, let's yes. go back okay. in. And, all right. right. Okay. Awesome. Ready? All right. So the first question is, are you more likely to listen to music or to play an instrument? I told you, right? And I have it written down. Look, you can see it right there on my sheet. <laughs> well, I don't know if this might surprise you. I'm more likely I'm more likely to listen to music. Mm-hmm. Does that surprise you? Uh, no, I thought you would say that. I was very interested in the fact that you said you were a flute player and have spent a considerable part of your life <laughs> playing the flute. So I knew this would be an interesting answer, but knowing all of your connection to culture... And I figured that the listening would come in. Listening yeah. wins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. The next one. Restaurant food or eat at home or street food? I always feel like you're going to catch something from street food. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, you know, you probably picked that one. But um, I'm going to go with restaurant food. Okay. I you, did think you, did you were going to go for the street food. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Only because it tends to be a little more authentic. More authentic. Right? Yeah. But you, one does need to be healthy and considering <laughs> what you're eating. <laughs> To make sure they, how did you say it? Don't catch something. <laughs> and I'm not that person. <laughs> oh my God. This is so much fun. Yeah. It's funny. Once we get to the this or that questions and we pull the teacher curtain back, it's like we could just have a good old time and just laugh about them. Okay. Now the last one. Hmm. Cats or dogs? I get sinus infections from cats, Ah. so I love dogs. I had a feeling that you would be partial one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't really know which way it would go. I was probably thinking dogs. I was probably thinking dogs. So um, I got the listen to music. I got that one right, even though you're a flute player. I got the street food wrong. But now thinking that you might catch something, I understand why. And I went for dogs on that one. So excellent there. So there are likely teachers listening to us right now who are going to want to follow you on Instagram. So what is your Instagram handle where they can find you and your website and every other way they can connect with you? So you guys can connect with me on Instagram. It's the cultural classroom and there are no O's. So it's the cultural classroom (laughs) (laughs) and on YouTube, it's the cultural classroom. And my website is theculturalclassroom.blog. And I highly just suggest that everyone follow Allison on Instagram uh, just because her reels are very entertaining and you learn something every time. So it's definitely worth watching there. So Allison, before we say goodbye, which I'm very sad to do because this is a lot of fun, I was wondering if you could leave me and our listeners with some hearty advice about taking on this idea of culture in the classroom or diversity, whatever you think is going to be useful for teachers going into their classroom tomorrow. Do the work of incorporating culture in your curriculum. I know that your curriculum doesn't seem like it has the space for culture, but what you don't realize is that culture is the vehicle by which your students are going to learn. 
what you want to teach them. Mm-hmm. So do the work, weave it in, and you are going to see magnificent results. Thank you for that very much. And thank you for just being here this entire conversation. Your your whole persona and your vibe is so much fun to spend time with and to be around. And what you offer, your insights and your suggestions are just pure gold for all teachers. So thank you so much for the opportunity to spend this time with you today. Well, thank you so much. This was just so awesome. I felt like I was just hanging out. <laughs> then that means we could do it again. <laughs> what are your takeaways from that conversation with Allison Perriman? I know I'm looking at culture through a bit of a different lens with that focus on seeing and hearing and tasting. Be sure to check out the show notes to connect with Allison Perryman. You'll also see a link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. There are also links to get in touch with me if you'd like to work together, either in person in your school or remotely. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.